In May 1983, the world was introduced to a saga in the stars, the likes of which had never been seen before, except in a bunch of other star sagas that had been seen before. No, I'm not talking about that space movie. I'm talking about that other space movie that came out in May 1983. Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. I'm SJ, and my guest today is comic artist Dave Howlett, and today we're going to find out if he still likes this movie. A movie one time in your life, but don't know if you still do. Well, if you don't have time to watch it at the moment, me and a guest will for you. See me, some strangers, and some friends of mine are gonna see what flicks stand the test of time. So if you're curious to know what holds up and what doesn't about some old movie you saw with your cousin, you're in the right place, and you know you might just find out. Do you still like this? Just talk and say hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, Who's up for a space hunt? (laughs) I'm so glad. Like, first of all, thank you for coming on and doing this podcast. Oh, it is my pleasure. Oh, you know, I am a a huge fan of putting space before your job title. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) You put it before the title of your last album. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. And I've never seen this. So we're going to dig right into the movie, of course, we're talking about today is Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. In 3D if you saw it in a theater. Oh my gosh. Now, that's I can't can't even fathom how incredible that would have been. I certainly didn't know it. And uh, I mean, I'd heard of it. And I've definitely, as soon as you recommended it, and I I checked it out, I was like, oh, this is totally something. It's like a VHS wall hall of fame big time uh box for sure now had you seen this in theaters in may 1983 this debuted may 20th 1983 and that month of may there was dr detroit with uh dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. have you ever seen that movie yes when i was very young and i didn't know what a pimp was yet so i didn't quite get it <laughs> <laughs> i just thought it was like a superhero or something like oh dr detroit i wonder if he's like I don't know, Dr. Doom or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could you could get that. Still Smoking, Cheech and Chong, mm-hmm. uh, hit sequel. And uh, Blue Thunder with your boy. Great movie. Yeah. Roy Great. Schneider, I cannot right? recommend it highly. Right, Scheider. Scheider, sorry. <laughs> Can't recommend it highly enough. Great 80s action flick. Love it. It's about a helicopter, right? Yeah, it's about a high-tech helicopter with like state-of-the-art surveillance equipment and futuristic weaponry and there's a conspiracy and... Yeah, Malcolm McDowell is a really great villain. Awesome. Uh, and Breathless with Richard Gere. Yeah. So these were all in theater at the time. Mm-hmm. But however, the big movie that would follow just five days after Space <laughs> Hunter hit the screens, <laughs> just a little film, <laughs> just the hi- most highly anticipated. Sheer coincidence, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, probably the, yeah, the most highly anticipated sci-fi film, maybe of all time at the time. Uh, Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. debuted a week after Space Hunter, so clearly the Space Hunter producers thought they were going to get the uh, get the fall off for fallback from from people going to Return of the Jedi, or get the people that just couldn't wait till Return of the Jedi and needed their space fixed. <laughs> space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. So I've never seen this film. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you first saw this? Did you see it in the theater? I or? did not, unfortunately. I saw it on First Choice, which ah. was the Canadian equivalent of equivalent of HBO for your American listeners. But uh, yeah, we had that when I was a kid, and I would watch 
just about anything that was on it, especially if it was something kind of sci-fi or fantasy related. So that would be where I saw it. Probably right. more than once, I'm guessing. Yeah. Do you remember what other films you would have watched around the same time, like that were also on First Choice? Like, uh, well, you know, like this would have been around the time of like movies like Crawl. And, right, uh, right. you know, like there's a whole, like the last Starfighter, which you did on the show. And I feel like you guys were a little harder on it than you needed to be. I'm a big <laughs> yeah, fan we've got a lot of heat for that episode. <laughs> I like that, that movie a lot. Um, yeah, like, uh, you know, like the never ending story, like, you know, the, there's the top tier of like your Star Wars is in your Raiders, but then there's like the other tier that's like, yeah, like the never ending story and last Starfighter. And then I feel like Space Hunters maybe like a notch or two down from that. Yeah, for sure. I feel like this is perfect for that first choice lineup because mm-hmm. I first choice I'd go visit my cousins and watch movies like Ghoulies and stuff like that would be on it or yeah. maybe Predator. I remember being on and mm-hmm. um, yeah, just cool like action space movies stuff that like definitely when you're a kid you would love to sit at home and watch later. Yeah, day, you know. Yeah, like I would have loved to have seen this in the theater. Don't get me wrong. Like one of my favorite things to do as a kid when like the Thursday issue of the Chronicle Herald would arrive, I would immediately flip to the entertainment section and look at all the movie ads and, you know, especially like the sci-fi and horror and things like that. And I would get really excited about anything that was remotely like this, but generally would have to convince my parents to go and that usually didn't fly because they just weren't as interested. So I would have to wait till it came to cable. For sure. For sure. So I would have seen it around 1984 probably when it was on TV. And you liked it. I did. Yeah. What did what do you remember liking about it as a kid? Like what were your you know like it didn't take much at that point. Like <laughs> I was like they're in space. There's aliens. There's robots. I don't know. Like there's laser beams. That was all I needed. <laughs> like as long as it was like semi competently told and didn't run for like hours and hours and hours. You know I was good. And how long has it been now since this since your last viewing? Oh God, I don't even know. Like I. Uh, there's a chance I might have caught a bit of it on TV, like around junior high, maybe, and kind of like, oh, yeah, this movie, and then forgot about it. So definitely been years. It's been, yeah, decades for and sure. And then what made you want to choose it for this? Well, it wasn't my first choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, uh, you did want to do like a, there was some high school, what was it called? Well, no, it wasn't high, it was called Honky Tonk Freeway, right. <laughs> which was like a kind of like, it's a mad, 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 mad world style comedy, but like from the early 80s with like a bunch of intersecting groups of uh, vacationers and having a big wacky adventure that culminated in a big chaotic third act or whatever. But it's like, you can't get it. Like there, there's an out of print DVD that sells for hundreds of dollars. You can't rent it from iTunes. You can't rent it from Google play. It's not on YouTube other than the trailer. Um, yeah. So we just, we couldn't do it. We couldn't get our hands on it. So and I had to We are going to hunt it down. We're going to find one day, it one way or I, the I other really and like we'll to. do it for future episodes. Because it's one of these sure. movies that like nobody knows, but my family and I, for some reason would watch it every time it was on. So I've like, I've seen it more than once, but not since I was probably like seven or eight years old. So, but then I don't know why I came to Space Hunter. I was just trying to think of movies of that era. And the other one I almost picked was... Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin. <laughs> but then I realized I haven't actually seen that one yet, so I can't do it. <laughs> but I, like, in my, the, I think that came out around the same time. It was also 3D, but uh, I don't think I ever actually got a chance to see it. Oh, Megaforce is another one that Megaforce, I was thinking of. Yeah. But I've never seen that either, so. Oh, man. Yeah. Deeds, so- not words. <laughs> well, I, like I say, I'm so glad you picked Space Hunter. Uh, are you are you ready to get zoned? <laughs> I've never been more ready. <laughs> I've never been more ready, Earther. <laughs> Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. First of all, great title. Mm-hmm. Great title, starring Peter Strauss. Guy I don't really know. I don't really know him either. I looked him up, and 
uh, he was the president in Triple X State of the Union. <laughs> he was a voice in Secret of Nim. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, yeah, the um, movie about the mice. Yeah, Don Bluth it would have been right around the same time as Space Hunter, I think. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't really know him as a guy. In my memory, it was Peter Coyote starring in that part, who's like the guy with the keys in ET, like the sympathetic government guy. But I think it was like because maybe his character's named Wolf and then Peter Coyote. I somehow conflated the two in my brain, but I was way off. Right. So Peter Strauss, he is our lead, who's kind of like, how would you describe this guy? He's like a. He's just kind of like a working class space bum. I don't know. (laughs) You know, like there's this whole thing where like he owes his ex-wife alimony and he's got a bunch of unpaid parking tickets and, you know, he's behind on his his space rent, I guess. (laughs) You know, like he's just kind of a bum, but he just goes around, you know, taking jobs where he can get them. Yeah, I think at one point someone references him as a space tramp. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, space, yeah. He's he's like yeah, like a space loner. He's kind of like a less talented, less cocky, <laughs> uh, less charming, less horny Han Solo. He's even got the vest and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's something about him though. Uh, definitely, Peter Strauss brings something. To yeah, this he's role. good. Uh, of course, the big star in this film, Molly Ringwald. Yeah, like I don't. I meant to look up when Sixteen Candles came out in relation to this. It was after this. Sixteen Candles was after. Yeah, okay, so, so this yeah, this is, wasn't the one that broke her big. Sixteen Candles is what. Yeah, made but her this stuff. was like her first. I, I think she had one film before this, mm-hmm. and then Space Hunter, and then of course, yeah, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, uh, Pretty in Pink. We're all familiar with those. The the John Hughes films. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, she uh, she plays Nikki, the uh, space scavenger. She's a scav. <laughs> um, sort of a prototype prototype of Ray from the new Star Wars trilogy, if you will. You know, I can kind of see that. I like. I'm not saying J.J. Abrams ripped it off or anything. No, he's maybe <laughs> has a reputation for not being the most original guy, but you can sort of draw a parallel between those now characters. I, yeah, now I'm seeing it. Oh, and also starring as the the big bad of the film. Michael Ironside. Love Michael Ironside. Yeah, I love his name. Overdog. <laughs> uh, IMDb tells us his character was originally supposed to be called King Creep. King Creep. Yeah, that's a, almost a bit too on the nose. A like, little bit. But Overdog. Overdog I was expecting him to be like a dog cyborg mm-hmm. uh, or something. I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah, but it, like, I don't know. I love Michael Ironside. Like, you know, Total Recall. He's great in that as Richter. And uh, he's the guy who makes Louis Del Grand's head explode in scanners. And yeah, just, I think he might even be Canadian. I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, well, he certainly adds some gravitas mm, to the voice of Darkseid and Superman cast. and the Justice League. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ernie Hudson is also in this film. Mm-hmm. Bef- this is before Ghostbusters. Well, well, interesting you bring that up because I don't know if I'm getting into this a little bit too early, but this film was produced by Ivan Reitman mm-hmm. and it stars Ernie Hudson and the music is by Elmer Bernstein. All three of those people a year later would work on Ghostbusters. Amazing. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying we don't get Ghostbusters without this film, but it's kind of like laying the groundwork for that. And you could see like, because there's some production qualities in this film that are like pretty high like i was really surprised at a lot of stuff and we're definitely going to get into yeah well the production designer did die hard and speed jackson degovia so yeah there's uh yeah there's a lot to to get into there would go on to do die hard and speed i should say he didn't do those first (laughs) yeah well speaking of the music elmer bernstein we had uh we did a little movie called ewok's caravan of courage and his son, Peter Bernstein, yeah. did the music for that. So well, I was like, I wonder if they're related. He's yeah. a guy with a lot of uh, credits, like 600 credits. The music for, like, famously Ghostbusters, yeah, but most famously probably The Magnificent Seven. 
Like, ah, so yeah, he's been he's around mega for a credits. while. But it is mega credits. <laughs> <laughs> I made a note about mega credits. I, you should take a drink every time they say mega credits in this movie. Three thousand mega credits. <laughs> oh man, listeners, you guys are in for a real treat today because you know not only is Dave one of my oldest pals, he is one of the number one movie maniacs that I have <laughs> the joy of knowing and. It, the fact that he picked this film, you know you're in for a treat. So if you're like me and you really don't know anything about this film, don't worry. We've, we've got you covered here. And, uh, and we, are, we are digging into it. Space Hunters... <laughs> Space... Space Hunter Space Singular. Hunter. <laughs> Space Hunter. Uh, I guess other quick notes. It was directed by Lamont Johnson, who I don't really know from anything. A lot of TV credits. Uh, yeah, like the one that really jumped out at me was one called The Canadian Caper, which tells the same story that would go on to be made as Argo by Ben Affleck in 2012. Hmm. But yeah, like a lot of TV movies and TV episodes, so nothing. And he replaced another guy whose name I didn't recognize, but yeah. And then the writers on that, there's like four, there's like screenwriters and there's like story by. Yeah, like story by and screenplay by. And again, nobody really of note there. Stuart Harding, Jean Lafleur, David Preston, Edith Ray, Daniel Goldberg, and Len Bloom. Mm. Yeah, not familiar with any of their stuff. I think Peter Lafleur was one of the directors who was supposed to do it and Mm. moved on, so... So, yeah, Columbia Pictures put this out. Definitely the big name. Yeah, Ivan Reitman, of course, everybody knows. Yeah, let's just dive in. Like, right. Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Dave, this is why I do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I'm glad. <laughs> to watch stuff like this. Let's start with uh, with our opening. We kind of got this opening credit coming up on scene. I got Superman vibes. Oh, from big it. time, yeah. And clearly going for the 3D with the letters flying through space in your face. So Yeah, I don't know if the how it looked on the screen. You watched it on, but... The title credit was like slightly to the left, like it, it wasn't properly centered. So I don't know if that's yeah. because it was intended to be in 3D. That would make sense because I had a note about the way the movie ends, where like the end comes up in the same font. But I thought it looked like they left a space that maybe they were going to put a question mark there, like "Would you like to see more adventures in the Forbidden Zone?" And the answer was a resounding no, apparently. <laughs> but maybe it was just because, as you say, it was meant for uh, 3D framing. Yeah. You mentioned it there. There, this is the only film in this. It's the only adventure in the Forbidden Zone to to date that we know so of. far. Yeah. Uh, so we open on this. Uh, it's like a space cruise liner, like a Starliner. Yeah. Kind of a neat design mm-hmm. on the ship. Yeah. Definitely elements of Star Trek or Star Wars, but uh, the ships were kind of round. They kind of looked more like bubbly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really definitely. Definitely want to get into the vehicles and in this film because there's a lot of cool stuff like that. But this opening sequence, we got a space starliner just kind of going on a tour through uh, like Galilea Minor, and uh, it's the early 22nd century. And this tour ship is taking this cruise in between suns when suddenly there is a a nebular lightning storm. Is that what? <laughs> Happens. Yeah, that'll happen. I'm pretty sure that'll happen. <laughs> and uh, it just destroys the ship. But one escape pod makes it off. And there's no droids on this, but there are uh, three ladies. Space babes. Three space babes, which they're pretty much <laughs> all but referred to <laughs> throughout the film. So the space the space babes uh, jettison in the escape pod. And then they land on some like desert planet. 
uh, and they're instantly swarmed by like the planet's homeless population. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening here? Yeah, like, they see this stuff. This is where I started to detect that more than I remember, it's not just like a Star Wars knockoff. There's a lot of Road Warrior influence in it too, like because there's a lot of land vehicles that are kind of cobbled together from stuff, and a lot of like ragged clothes with bandages flying off everything. Um, yeah, so that's where we first get our, our first glimpse of that. Yeah, and then like a garbage truck shows up and uh, and is going to haul these ladies off to parts unknown. Cut to our hero's spaceship. Mm-hmm. And now do we see his droid or him first? I guess we... We, we see, see him first. We see him first, yeah. So Wolf, this is Peter Strauss's character. And yeah, you were saying it's kind of like a space... He's a space hunter. Yeah, he's just kind of like a odd jobs type guy, like just picking up work where he can get it. But yeah, like we get sort of like his answering machine messages, sort of, or the equivalent of all these messages on his computer that saying how he owes all this alimony and he's behind on his rent, his, his space rent, and his space parking tickets and all that jazz. And, you know, so we just get a sense very quickly of like, okay, this is the guy who's kind of down on his luck and just looking for money and looking for jobs. So yeah, his space divorce has just been tearing him apart. Man. SpaceX wife is hounding him to feed the space kids. <laughs> Send him to space college. All space hunter and all his his space bills. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of like a space hunter gatherer, I guess. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Is he hunting for like space trophies. Yeah, or like mm-hmm. a space bounty hunter. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So something comes on over the radio that there's a reward for three thousand mega credits to rescue the three ladies mm-hmm. who we don't really. Do we know why? I don't remember them ever saying, like, what their importance is. Like, if they're, like, from a royal family or if they're just rich or, like, some... Yeah, I don't know, but... Or they're just... In the future, every life is valuable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he decides, hey, I can make some money. This is going to solve all my problems. Um, we meet Chalmers. Chalmers is his uh, attractive... A uh, female droid. Yeah, although we don't know she's a droid at first. Although there's a subtle clue in her introduction. When we first meet her, she is reading R.U.R., which is a 1920 short science fiction play that introduced the word robot into the English language. What? Yeah. So, Dave, that's why we bring you on the show. <laughs> well, like I said, I got that from the IMDb. <laughs> that's a cool, wow, that's mm-hmm. a really cool... Um, it's just a cool little bit of foreshadowing, you know? Yeah, for sure. So Chalmers and Wolf decide that they're going to go to this planet called, like, Terra 13, mm-hmm. I think, and they're going to rescue these ladies. Should be easy enough, right? No big deal. I want to talk about their relationship for a minute, yeah, though. Like, yeah, Because she's, like, sort of his, like, sidekick droid, whatever, but, like... I think the relationship is implied to be a little more intimate than just that. <laughs> yeah, he kind of looks at her a little, like, you know, lustily. When she also says something about, like, they're talking about fixing something on the ship, and I wrote down a line of dialogue that she had that I thought had, like, a little double entendre that sailed over my head as a child. But uh, she says, what is it? I think they're talking about, like, fixing something on the ship, and she says, like, I keep starting, but you never let me finish. Yeah. So there's, like, there's definitely, like, a little bit of sexual tension between the two of them. <laughs> well, uh, she seems good at her job, uh, and they go down to the, uh, the ship's space garage. And this whole ship, I kind of got this vibe, almost like a, like the design of this ship was, was kind of unique, right? It was, I was kind of thinking, like, almost Red Dwarf in a weird way. I don't know. I was getting vibes of, like, a... Red Dwarf or even Lex. Yeah, like kind of lower budget, but mm-hmm. just, you know, like making up for it by just 
finding interesting textures and cool stuff to like kit bashing, as they would say when exactly. they would make like spaceships for Star Wars. Is like go to the model shop and get a bunch of models of planes and ships and stuff, and then just jam them together. So Absolutely, think- yeah. And like I know it's the twenty second century, but it looked like they had like fire extinguishers <laughs> from <Yeah. laughs> like our time, just like painted gold and stuff. So in the space garage, there is this crazy vehicle called the Scrambler. Mm-hmm. And this looked like something straight out of G.I. Joe, I yeah. thought. Like, they could have made a G.I. Joe movie with yeah. vehicles like this. Like, it was, it was pretty cool. I think that's what Megaforce was trying to do without having to pay for the license. So. Totally, totally. So, Terra 13, they beam down to, and uh, and it's crawling with crazy vehicles. So, mm-hmm. instantly, we, I got, like, this, like, Mad Max vibe. And one thing, too, about a lot of the scenes on the planet, they've kind of put a filter over it to give it, like, weird color texture to make it look less like Colorado. <laughs> but it works, yeah. you know? Yeah, I love it, man. Mad Max train boats, mm-hmm. crazy laser blast cannons. We get into, like, instantly, there's, like, this big battle going on uh, right when Wolf and Chalmers land. There's like all these mysterious space costume people, and I, who was fighting with whom? So there's like the people who had kidnapped the ladies, mm-hmm. and then there's these other people coming in, and I guess they work for Overdog. Was that what? Yeah, like I think like there was the guys who initially scooped them up, and then Overdog's minions wanted them for themselves, so they were fighting with the people that initially captured them. Mm. So, um, yeah, and then there's like hang gliders. Yeah, that was cool. Like, <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Like, they they scoot, they fly in on hang gliders and, like, scoop the ladies up off the top of this sort of whatever contraption they're on. And, you know, I love that shit. Like, you know, nowadays, anything like that is, you know, it's going to be CGI or whatever. But, like, watching it go, like, this is people suspended from wires swinging down and grabbing other people. Like, there's an element of, uh, you know, realness to it. Like, on one hand, yeah, it's kind of silly. But on the other hand, like, it's tactile. It's a real thing that they did. So yeah, yeah, I fully enjoyed the sequence and just like yeah, crazy fight scenes and instantly we see like Wolf has got like skills like fighting and blasting and stuff and mm. and yeah, Chalmers is uh, Chalmers is is fighting them there. Um, then there's like chickens show up too. <laughs> there's like chickens running around. I they were like on one of the one of these. I think it was on the on the train boat. Like the guys who first captured them. You mean yeah, like the, yeah. the sort of sand crawler, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definite kind of Star Wars meets Mad Max vibes. So maybe they're just like space hillbillies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the dust settles. Chalmers, uh, this is where she dies. Right? Yeah, she gets yeah. blasted like a stray shot takes her out. And that's when we learn that she's a droid. Like. Mm-hmm. And then Wolf uh, decides that he needs to sort of get going and, and save these space ladies. Uh, but not before meeting the older uh, patriarch of this traveling band of scavengers, who I think his name was Grandman? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I don't... They kept saying, Grandman has blood loss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do always appreciate the attempt to like throw some crazy lingo into these kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> and Grandman was very upset, and they mm. were upset at Wolf. But Wolf was just like, look, I got here, and I basically tried to help you guys. Yeah. So he goes on his way, but we meet, like, two of these guys are kind of like, well, you can't go there. That's That way is the forbidden zone. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes there. Um, Wolf doesn't seem phased. and All the zones have names like that in the Galaxy of Terror. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, the music here is definitely, like, space evocative. Mm-hmm. 
I was getting some, you know, I felt like I was watching a space film from 1983. Yeah, you get some synths going, but lots of like rousing, like, like yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I didn't find it like terrible. But no, I mean, again, it's Elmer Bernstein. He knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, it, it was good. Um, I kind of liked, like, at this point, they're not really wasting any time really explaining anything. Yeah. They're just throwing you in. Okay, Wolf is here. He goes to the planet. Oh, all this stuff's happening. The lady's like, let's just keep things moving. Yeah. So I, I was enjoying this pace. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, I'm, you're just kind of getting slapped in the face with craziness mm-hmm. kind of from the get-go. Um, so that's pretty cool. And so Wolf goes off to rescue uh, the Earth girls in the Forbidden Zone. And <laughs> I just got to stop you. They kept saying Earth girls. And I don't know about you, but my brain kept finishing it with Are Easy. Yeah. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now that movie would have been like... It was a couple years later. It was like 89, I think it was. Yeah, was Michael Keaton in that? I don't know. No, it was Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum, and a young Jim Carrey, actually. And I forget who the third alien guy was, but anyway. Yeah, never seen it, but I am familiar with it again from... Anyway, every time they said Earth Girls, I would just hear R-Easy. Yeah. Maybe that's why everybody wants them. I don't know. Um, And then this is where we meet Ingenue, Molly Ringwald. Mm -hmm. So how would you describe her character here? Uh, you know, like a scruffy space urchin. Like she's, as I said, she's a scavenger. She's a scav. She's just kind of like out doing, stealing what she needs to to survive. And uh, you know, in this rough and tumble universe of the Forbidden Zone. Yeah, she's pretty peppy. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you know, like it's a dynamic that always works where you have that like the kind of grizzled old, you know, adventure hero and like the plucky young girl that he kind of takes under his wing. We see it with like Wolverine and Kitty Pride and Wolverine and Jubilee. Um, you know. Uh, I had other examples, and I've lost them now, like Han Solo and Rey and The mm-hmm. Force Awakens, to bring it back to that again. Um, yeah, it's, it's a dynamic that works. Yeah, that's definitely a parallel with the, the Han Solo and Rey kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So at first, I wasn't sure if they were trying to introduce her, because obviously she is very young, but I was like, what is kind of their relationship? So she's just like, they're young. She's going to be the young, scrappy sidekick. Mm-hmm. But before we can really dwell on that, we cut to the chemist. We go to his right. lab, right? Mm. So this is when we hear this creepy voice. And when he came on, I was like, is this Overdog? But it didn't sound like Michael Ironside. Mm. This guy was super creepy. <laughs> yeah, there's some good creepy, like, well, we'll get into them, but like some of the kind of upcoming monsters and, you know, weird beings we're going to encounter, like, pretty effective. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, the chemist, he's like, oh, can you, can you get them yet? Are they pretty? Can you see them? Do they have scars? <laughs> Do they have limbs? I don't like it when they don't have limbs. <laughs> like, just like saying random, weird, creepy stuff. And he's just, you know, he's excited because these three ladies, he's getting the report that the three Earth girls have been kidnapped and are being brought to him. Mm-hmm. So then he can in turn bring them to Overdog. That was weird and creepy. And then... Before we can even digest that, bam, cut right back to Wolf, who is now making dinner, mm-hmm. and uh, he's making hot dogs. <laughs> and she's like, I don't want to eat dogs. <laughs> Wolf is like, well, you can eat or, or don't eat. Um, and he's like, I'm going to bed. And then this is where things were a little weird, where Molly Ringwald's like, well, can I sleep with you in this sleeping bag? And he's like, no, we we ain't cozy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's uh, I don't want to see... Wolf and Molly Ringwald sharing a sleeping bag. Well, at least to his credit, he wasn't into it. Yeah, you know, totally, like. totally. So that's, but I was like, okay, this seemed, this could go weird. But yeah, totally to his credit. Um, and I, I, that's one thing I will say too is I, in my memory, this movie was a little racier than it actually was. Like, I was glad that it wasn't because I thought, like, okay, well, 
these three space babes getting kidnapped, like this could get kind of gross, but it never really did. Like, you no, know, like kept it's, it PG. It's a pretty PG movie. Yeah. Like, and I actually just thought of another parallel when I was talking about like, you know, sort of the grizzled older guy and the younger girl, like with her, with her bright orange hair, it's making me think it's a few years ahead of the Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Returns. you know, she's sort of like the oh. Carrie Kelly to his Robin or to his Batman. So yeah, there's, man, there are references to everything from G.I. Joe hang gliders and uh, vehicles to, yeah, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Tapping into the zeitgeist. Yeah, man. Um, so we do cut back to the chemist and... I gotta say, like, props to the wardrobe on because this guy's—he's dressed like the Dark Crystal or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's dressed like the movie, The Dark Crystal. <laughs> yeah, wardrobe by the Dark Crystal here for this guy. Um, yeah, the Skeksis uh, top designer worked on this one, but really cool, like costumes and everything. It like it had its own vibe. Yeah, like it's, it's clearly cheap, but you know they're working with what they have and they're you know doing the best they can with what they got. Yeah, it's like derivative, but kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, okay, so we see the chemist again, who's now giving drugs to the ladies and getting them ready to, to go off to Overdog. Then back to Wolf and Nikki again. We now see that uh, Nikki has snuck under the covers with Wolf. and, uh, and But not in like a sexual way. She just wants to stay warm. <laughs> That's true, yeah. So keep, no sex, all good. But... Okay, so this led to what was honestly the last scene I expected to see in this film. Um, a forced shampooing. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just decides that she, like, stinks and needs a bath. Well, if he's going to be spending any amount of time with her, I guess he probably doesn't want to have to smell her space smell. <laughs> also... <laughs> <laughs> Why he had space shampoo with him? Like he just grabs her, throws her in the water, and then just like basically like puts her in a headlock and starts shampooing her. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't want to get space lice. Yeah, <laughs> space hunter. Or you like we'll see. You know, Cosmo grubs or whatever the hell they have on in the Forbidden Zone. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, it, it was moments like this. I almost got like Firefly vibes. Like a bit of that space western yeah, with that. like humor, mm-hmm. um, and but like a general sense of of fun and some tongue in cheek. Like they know some of the stuff is a bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like there's definitely like a, a knowing comedic vibe about it. It's not like so bad it's good. Like like it's tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it's time to meet Ernie Hudson, Washington. What can you tell us about this guy? Uh, he's like, uh, it's implied that he and Wolf have a past, like I think and they work together at some point. Now he's kind of in a more legitimate, like a uh, peacekeeping type of position. I forget what his official title was. Um, yeah, some, they have a military history together. Wolf yeah, and Washington know each other. From. If we're continuing with the Western analogy, he's almost like a marshal or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and, uh, I think he's kind of more legitimately on the trail of the, the space babes. Like, you know, it's kind of his job to bring them in. He's not out just to do it for money. Like, yeah. On a rescue mission, so right, right, but he does want the money as well. Oh, okay, I couldn't, rem- didn't remember that. Yeah, part so of it, Washington but. did want, uh, he does want the money, but he he kind of gets introduced by trying to like run over Wolf mm. or just plow over him. Like I was a bit confused by this scene because he's driving like a crazy train truck. Yeah, <laughs> I can't <laughs> Super remember if that thing had a name or not. Yeah, so he comes charging at Wolf, and then Wolf hops onto this vehicle. And winds up making Washington crash. Mm-hmm. And then he like 
beats Washington and takes his gun and he's like, "All right, we're heading on the on our way. Mm-hmm. We're going to go collect this reward." Maybe I interpreted it wrong. For some reason, I thought he had a more legitimate position, but maybe he's also just he a did. space. Hunter. No, he did, did say he, okay. he was like there for like a space. He was a like a yeah space marshal, okay. uh, like Brave Star, perhaps. Oh, okay, there you go. Again, predating another mm-hmm. property. Yeah, he's some kind of space marshal, but. He did want the reward. Like, he didn't want to split it with Wolf. Right. And he's like, oh, you guys help me, and I'll give you, like, you know, a third of the reward or whatever. Mm. And he's like, what are you talking about? I want, you know, this is my reward. So they argue over that, and then Wolf takes his gun and throws it in the river, mm-hmm. which I was kind of like, you could use that gun, man. <laughs> You're on this planet with all these, like, sandy murderers running around. and Can't have too many space guns for that kind of yeah, business. Yeah, it was a bit reckless considering amount of, like, random armed maniacs <laughs> in these parts. But, okay, cool. Uh, so more scavengers are on the Who way. Who would have known the Forbidden Zone was so dangerous? <laughs> <laughs> so they head on their way to the Forbidden Zone, leaving Washington to go swimming and dig up his gun. And they they bump into more scavengers, and they come across this, like, some kind of, like, cave sewer ruin building and they enter. Do you remember this was with those like weird blobby yeah. pig? Yes, monsters? I like this scene a lot. This yeah. was this reminded me of uh, certain parts of this movie remind me of I don't know, I meant to send you a link, but there's a Duran Duran video from around this era called Wild Boys. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I, no, I don't. Okay, I'll we'll have to look it up on YouTube because it's I think it's actually part of like a larger, like maybe half hour long sort of like mini movie that they did that is like sort of a weird sci-fi adventure where they're being attacked by weird creatures and there's laser beams and people on gliders and stuff. Very similar aesthetic to this. And then these monsters just for whatever reason put me in mind of that. But they looked cool, they looked kind of gross, like they'd be kind of stay puff zombies. I don't know. Yeah, what they, they were, were like, like wearing these like weird blob suits mm-hmm. and they were like freakish, like kind of pig face Yeah, people. like they're kind of squealing and yeah. And they're in these like giant cocoons mm-hmm. dripping from the ceiling. Like uh, I was really impressed with this scene. Yeah, again, like predating aliens, you know? Like, I mean, not predating alien, but like predating a similar scene in aliens where, you know, you stumble into a lair and there's things coming out of the ceiling at you, you know? so Yeah, and also I've got a bit of Dune vibes from their outfits. Like, um, like Baron Harkonnen. Yeah, kind like of just thing? kind of the bigger suit. Like maybe it was just sort of maybe the how the costumes were designed, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like that bigger blobby misshapen form. Yeah, they're also like kind of like maggoty, like just these big pale subterranean, you know, bloated monstrosities. Yeah, it was it was effective. Yeah, so clearly it's a forbidden zone. So there's mutants and stuff mm-hmm. on the way. Um, so these old blobby. Pig people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pig people were big, I feel, around this time. Because, like, a week later, you were getting the Gamorrean guards and yeah. Jedi. And, and like, in the Swamp Thing, that guy gets turned into a pig man. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we're into like, pigs. <laughs> the pig costume technology was, like, really at the It was age. really taken off. Yeah, yeah. early 80s. They that made was, some great breakthroughs. Oh, uh, oink, oink. What <laughs> a, that was the heyday. Um, okay. Great Muppet caper. Uh, so they es- escaped from these blobby freaks <laughs> and uh <laughs> and they go outside and i gotta say like the sky looked really cool mm. it's kind of like sunsets by eternia <laughs> <laughs> again i think it's that filter thing where you just sort of like i feel like there's a lot of like day for night type of thing too where it's daytime but they're making it look like night by putting a filter on it and the effect is just kind of unearthly and weird so. yeah like a cheap effect to pull off but one that kind of works so now we finally cut to Overdog. Mm-hmm. And this is, after hearing about him now, we finally get to see him. And I gotta tell you, 
it's worth it. This <laughs> Overtalk was worth the oh, wait. Oh, he was awesome. Like, this guy, okay, he's like a dark cyborg who... I guess he just likes to watch people get undressed slowly. And <laughs> he kind of looked like Skeletor inside uh, Ripley's power loader from Aliens. Totally, yeah. Like painted, Dressed like painted uh, black, Edward you know? Scissorhands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really creepy. Mm-hmm. And so Michael Ironside is just right out the gate, just like knocking this one out of the park, yeah. like totally powerful, dark villain. The Earth girls are rightfully terrified mm. of him, and so Chemist has brought them to to Overdog, and Overdog is pleased. <laughs> and yeah, he's like, undress them slowly, <laughs> <laughs> untie their shoes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that that's totally creepy. And then back to the adventures of Wolf and Nikki, uh, and now they're like driving in a sewer. Sewers are always big in this kind of thing too. <laughs> Oh, you know what else? One other thing I know about the the pig monsters. I I said that they looked like those sumo suits. Yes. That you used yes. to wear, and they also kind of reminded me of uh, I don't know if you've seen Evil Dead Two, but uh, yeah. the uh, the the cellar witch. You know, someone's in my yes. fruit cellar. Like that kind of look. Yeah. That's what the, the outfit reminded me of too. So I know, and I love that you said. You know, those sumo suits you used to wear. It's like, yeah. <laughs> look, I went through a phase, in like you know, late nineties, where I just wore it everywhere. It's so you beast, wore them to weddings, know? funerals. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Wolf and Nick are driving in the sewer in uh, the Scrambler mm-hmm. again. Love this vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like I want a toy of this vehicle. Any customizers out there? Let's let's, let's make something. Uh, three and three quarter scale, please, so my G.I. <laughs> Joes uh, can fit in there. Um, so this sewer, of course, it, it can't be easy. And what's lurking in this sewer? Uh, just, you know, your average water Wonder Women. <laughs> <laughs> I like this scene a lot. It was uh, They were super cool. Yeah, so they're like these, like, uh, underwater Amazon yeah, fighters. Yeah, I guess, like, uh, yeah, like uh, mer <laughs> 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 But they've got, like, this movie's got some good lines, and they're like, they're looking at Wolf up and down, like, I'll bet breeding with us would kill him. And he's like, I'll take that bet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so they they start fighting, uh, and then this crazy, like, prehistoric water snake lizard dragon pops out. That was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I love a good water dragon fight. Again, this also reminded me of that Duran Duran video, because there's like a weird water dragon thing that comes up and eats something. Okay, we're definitely it, so. watching okay. that after this. I, I, oh, Duran Duran with a water lizard? Yeah, like, I know. I'm telling you, it happened. Crazy. They got some good jams. Yeah, for sure. Band. They, mm-hmm. they had some success. Yeah, Hungry Like the Wolfman. Um, yeah. Hungry Like the Wolfman? <laughs> <laughs> Her name is Rio. Yeah, that's a good one. And Girls on film. Yeah, man, absolutely. And uh, the chauffeur is that one? Yeah, that's a good jam too. I'm gonna dig up, gonna dig up my Duran Duran record. <laughs> this, is, this has been the latest episode of Do You Still Like Duran Duran? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they uh, they beat the snake. Like Wolf just blasts this snake into oblivion, and I guess the the Myrmazons, as you mm-hmm. so perfectly <laughs> called them, they uh, they kind of disperse. Mm-hmm. But Wolf and Nikki need to get out of there. Um, so they lose the truck but and now have to trek on foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's where I just want to call out, like, the scenery yeah. in this film. Like, this, these outdoor shots, again, I think I mentioned, like, shot in Colorado and, and Utah. Like, definitely giving, like, a classic westerny look. But mm-hmm. also, it felt very spacey. 
like whoever was in charge of cinematography, like mad props because mm-hmm. I just thought it was just like a really like beautiful these beautiful beaches and sunsets and stuff and they're trekking along it was and once again elmer bernstein's music like i I thought this one had like a little bit of ghostbusters in it where like there was the sort of theremin going throughout it like the sort of love theme from ghostbusters like Mm -hmm. but also it put me in mind a little bit of some of the music from uh the good the bad and the ugly Mm -hmm. specifically another desert crossing scene when eli wallach is kind of marching clint eastwood in the desert to kind of torture him there's very similar music cues in this too and i feel like that's what they were trying to evoke totally and you know pretty recently we just watched the mandalorian mm-hmm. which, so another kind of space western yeah um so this was again great choice of film mm-hmm. uh to watch right now um so yeah wolf wolf is uh he's kind of to the point you know and he, he is doing the right thing like i'm i'm finding as this movie progresses he's really growing on me mm-hmm. like at first, I was like, oh, is he just a cardboard kind of Han Solo ripoff? But now I'm like, oh, I, you know, kind of digging this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like his style. Like, yeah, he's definitely likable. So Nikki, this is when she passes out from exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Washington returns, <laughs> like right on cue. Just in the nick of time. Yeah, and he's driving his, like, Mad Max mobile, and everything's all good. And... They, of course, decide to team up, and they find Wolf's truck. They help Nikki. He gives her some water, and she's fine, and mm-hmm. they just hit the road. And they go to, like, a they find a campground, mm-hmm. and then we see, like, more crazy, like, space motorcycles. And these were two guys who were friends of uh, Grandman's. Right, from back in the earlier scene. We see. I think we met these guys in that scene, yeah. Like yeah, they were... and they're, I think, looking to cash in on the reward now, the 3,000 mm-hmm. mega credits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everybody's kind of headed towards Overdog's Fortress of Evil. Yeah. <laughs> the kennel. <laughs> to try and save these, to save the Earth ladies. The Overdog uh, House. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, of course, what happens next? Well, um, you know, I know what this space movie needs more of. Uh, how about some mutant little people <laughs> who are, like, terrifying? This scene was really creepy, just like these weird mutant children that kind of appear out of nowhere and start singing in this creepy voice and kind of almost like hypnotic, I guess. Like, I don't know if they're supposed to be kind of like the sirens and like the Odyssey or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they just kind of like freak them out, I guess. But yeah, they throw like these like space Molotov cocktails mm-hmm. at their campground and then just like explode the whole campsite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so of course our heroes, they have to hightail it out of there. Um, and, Cut to, like, really quickly, uh, they're at Overdog's headquarters, mm-hmm. and they're sneaking in here. I don't know how we, like, Overdog is hosting, like, this, like, insane space American gladiators death, like, funhouse yeah, I maze feel, party. <laughs> I feel like these kind of gladiator- gladiatorial games are, like, a big part of this genre, you know, like, in Escape from New York. Snake Plissken has to fight that guy in the pit. You know, like, somebody's always got, you know, like, Thunderdome or whatever. You know, two men enter, one man leaves. Like, this is sort of, like, uh, part of the journey, I guess. Oh, yeah. The eight-year-old in me was losing his mind. Yeah. Like, a death maze with, like, pits. And this, like, this is one crazy death maze. Like, it's got, like, a killer car. Yeah, there's, like, you know, spikes coming in. Like, you kind of seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark influence. Of sure. Just sort of, like, you know, have to evade a bunch of death traps to get to a place. And yeah, Flame was, floors. Uh, I was thinking, too, this is, like, the <laughs> early days of, like, Atari and television. Yeah. So, you know, it's very much like playing a video game, like, trying to get to the next level. So Totally, man. Yeah, with all those spike beds and 
blade pits mm-hmm. and I don't know, like acid moats <laughs> and like rabid people cheering on and like rattling the fences yeah. while people are going through. This is getting crazy. There's like this death maze. There's some kind of like slave pen that they keep referring to it as where the ladies are in the slave pen or I don't know, all these like, I guess they're like overdogs employees that this is how he entertains them on the weekends or mm. something to like <laughs> with this you know homemade event and he's like you know narrating things and and sending people into it uh and oh this- and i forgot washington has a line in this too where he's like we sure, i think it's washington maybe it's wolf but says we sure have come a long way from monday night football yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they still have that in uh, the 22nd century i don't know apparently um now actually this is when I think my favorite quote of the whole movie happens. There's like this death maze guard. Mm-hmm. Like they're sneaking, our heroes are sneaking around. And we see like, they're like, okay, we got to get, you know, free the ladies. They're like in the slave pen or whatever. And and they're trying to sneak past. And the death maid guard is like, he's just having a bad day. Like he's like, oh man, I'm overworked. I'm overtired. <laughs> and he goes, Everybody else gets to go throw the prisoners into the death maze. Do I? No. I got to hang around here and guard these damn slaves. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, the thing is, I meant to go back and look because another piece of information that I got from the IMDb, someone who's just listed as guard and uncredited, and I wonder if it's this guy, but this movie, if it's him or not, contains the film debut of someone that ties this a little closer to us. Colin Mockery of Whose Line Is It Anyway and uh, This no. Hour Has 22 Minutes is in this movie listed as no. a guard. I don't know if this is him. We'd have to check. But he used to shop at Strange Adventures when we both worked there. So, Oh, man, yeah. And he actually shopped at The Snail when oh, cool. I worked there, too. So, oh, man. But see, like, I didn't recognize him, and I don't know for sure if that's the guard that he plays, but it very likely down. could be. Yeah, I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to, like, shoot him an email or, like, we got we to gotta find out yeah, if like, this is true. Do a little interview and tack it on oh, somewhere. Oh, man. Anyway, he's in here somewhere, so. Oh, man. Well, if he is the guy playing this guard, now we got to go rewatch it. Mm-hmm. That would that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, just at least go to that scene and see if, if it's Because I was like, not. they're giving this guard, like, a lot of lines. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, it's probably like, you know, like, this requires, like, a funny person. Get someone who can come on and be funny, and maybe he improv it or something, right? Like, he's incredible. an improv guy, yeah. so maybe he just came up with it on the spot. Everybody else gets to go throw the prisoners into the death maze. <laughs> Again, Why? if it's actually Colin Mock. I don't know. I know he's a guard. I don't know if he's Well, whoever guard, he but. is, the death maze guard, is. that was my favorite quote of the movie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so this death maze is like super elaborate and uh you know you got to give it up overdog is totally like the goat of death mazes like <laughs> i can't think of a better death maze yeah. in an 80s movie yeah and like every actor is super committed here which you kind of got to give give some props to mm-hmm. it and definitely getting like road warrior vibes and like mad max kind of meets uh dune meets like i don't know like yeah again indiana jones indiana jones like- mhm so, of course, like, Nikki is sneaking around, and she gets caught. And this is when Overdog throws her into the death maze. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, side note. Did you notice a lot of, like, space face plates? Space face plates. <laughs> like, a lot of space face masks. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. Like, yeah, it was, like, early, like, Kyle Rayner in inspiration, uh, Okay, perhaps. yeah, I can see that, yeah. You know, like, that kind of, like, weird, like, clunky space mask. Why are you yeah. wearing this? Um, a lot of the guards were wearing that here. And uh, so then, yeah, Nikki hops into the death maze. 
Do you think she stands a chance, Dave? Uh, I don't know. She's uh, She's got a lot of spirit. She's a plucky scab from the wasteland, so <laughs> I like her odds. <laughs> yeah, I would have bet on Nikki. Um, and she does a good job. She's, like, dodging, like, the swords that are sticking out of the wall and spike pits. It kind of reminded me of a totally, like, sadistic version of Funhouse. Remember that game show? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I was thinking it kind of reminded me of uh, in Attack of the Clones when they're in like the weird droid factory, although this was way cooler. <laughs> like, probably cost like the catering budget of that scene in that movie, but yeah. was more fun to watch. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Like, I just imagine J.D. Roth being there. It's like, all right, up next, Death Maze. <laughs> They're playing for a pair of L.A. Gears sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> and the home game of Funhouse. <laughs> um, so Nikki makes it through with a little help from her friends. Mm-hmm. And then this is a line. Tell me if you recognize what Overdog said here. Did this line stand out to you at all? She's like... You said if I beat the maze, I'd go free. I lied. This is two years before Commando. Totally. Exactly what I thought. Yeah. And now, you know, sure, you could come up with it on your own, but perhaps Jeff Loeb, who wrote Commando, did he see Space Hunter? Yeah, well, it's tough to say, because I, like, Space Hunter probably didn't do it first either, but I can't think of where I would have heard it before that, but either way, yeah, it totally reminded me of that. Yeah, and... Totally before. Are we daring to suggest that Jeff Loeb, or as he was known at the time, Joseph Loeb the Third, is unoriginal? (laughs) I'd say we are. I'll leave that up to our listeners to make the decision. (laughs) I didn't mean to get off on a Jeff Loeb tear, but to quote someone in this room who's not me, more like F Loeb. (laughs) F Loeb, indeed. Uh, Okay, so Overdog does not live up to his promise, and. he tells Nikki that now he's going to take her vitality. Again, kind of like the Dark Crystal. Yeah. But this would have been before Dark Crystal, 83? No, this would have been a year after, I think. Oh, I think Dark Crystal I think 82? Dark Crystal's 82, because okay. 82 is like the big nerd year that everyone freaks right, out right, about, right. right? So I'm pretty sure. But And he wants to take it via something called a fusion tube, I believe it yeah, was. Yeah. You know, your classic fusion tube. <laughs> <laughs> Which looked cool, though. Like, I like the uh, the kind of neon lights, the sort of the shrink concentric circles behind her. It is a cool look. It's very of the time, but that's all right. Yeah, great. Throw some food in there. You have some Asian 82. It was fusion. 82. 82 is Dark Crystal. Yeah. Okay, so this, yeah, because that was totally a Dark Crystal kind of thing, sucking their life and energy. Um, uh, so then Wolf shows up in, like, Sort of fights over Doc. <laughs> yeah. I like nothing really jumps out at me about that final battle as being like cool or, you know, a decisive win or like nothing especially memorable. Like it's you could no, have punched yeah, that he, up a he bit. Plun- like he like plugs Overdog into the fusion tube or something. Like he runs this long tube and <laughs> plugs it into him and Yeah, the Overdog fight left a little to be desired here. Yeah. There's not really he doesn't have a whole lot of mobility, so there's not a lot of uh opportunity for a cool final fight scene, but, you know, whatever. But, yeah, hey, they they win. They blow up the fortress. Uh, they've managed to save the three Earth ladies. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what Washington was doing. Yeah. He went off to save the ladies, and Wolf saves Nikki, and then everybody blows up the place, and they escape back to uh, Wolf's ship for, you know, your typical after party. Yeah, they're just kind of hanging out. I like that. <laughs> yeah, they're all They chill. brought those two dorks from the beginning, like those two space hillbillies are there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Grandman's grandsons or something. <laughs> um, and yeah, they're having a, a fun little party. And then this is when Wolf, he finally tells Nikki 
that he wants her to join him in space. Because that was sort of a theme we didn't really mm-hmm. touch on. The whole time, Nikki's like, can I come with you? Can I come with you? And, and Wolf is sort of, all right, he's like apprehensive. Mm-hmm. And just like, all right, I guess you can come along. I guess you can come along. So finally, he says, you can come with me. So I guess he's basically like adopted her as a space sidekick child or something. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, the child kick. <laughs> um, and, Off to uh, many more adventures that we never got. Yeah. So do you think this was definitely planned to be an ongoing series? I think they would have, you know, it's certainly left open. I yeah. think that was the idea that most people were working at, on at that point. Is like, if this hits, we'll make a bunch of them. So clearly it didn't make enough mega credits to uh, warrant a sequel. But Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because... So what year was Buckaroo Bonds? That was 84. Okay. So, like, a lot of these things, and, you know, like I talked about on the last Starfighter episode, like, a lot of these movies, you could tell they really did want to have a continuation, like, more, like, build a franchise out of it, but Mm -hmm. it just didn't. I guess this totally got obliterated at the box office and then went on. I'm curious to know how well it did as, like, a rental. Yeah, I kind of, like I said, I encountered it on cable, and I, I kind of think of it in those terms as like just a movie that was on cable a lot, probably. That's probably where most people who saw it saw it, because mm-hmm. I don't think they went to see it in the theater in most cases, so. Yeah, so what what's your, your kind of takeaway from this? You... Um, I don't know, just like I, like, I don't really remember it being marketed all that aggressively, so I don't, it wasn't, you know, like... There weren't Happy Meals, there weren't action figures, there weren't ads on the back. I don't remember ads on the back of comics. That True. was a big thing, right? Right, you know, right, you would right. see that. Don't really remember any of that. So I don't know if it just sort of, like, they just kind of dumped it, you know, and sort of, ah, people just think it's a Star Wars. They won't care. And clearly, they underestimated the audience. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what went wrong. But uh, Yeah, but you did like it as a kid. You remembered there oh, was yeah. something about it that you liked it. Yeah, like, you know, it wasn't like a Star Wars level obsession, but, like, I remember enjoying it. So. Mm-hmm. so here's the big question, my friend. Do you still like Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone? Yeah, why not? Yeah. I had a good time, you know. Like, <laughs> look, it's like it's not even 90 minutes. It doesn't waste your time. It's not boring. Like I said, it's got a good sense of humor about itself. It's uh, you know, it's got good people in it. Uh, as you pointed out, like kind of inspired production design and cinematography, like the music's good. Like Sure, it's not a classic. Sure, it's not, like, a great film, but not everything has to be. Sometimes you just want to kill 90 minutes. And, uh, you know, like, people really fetishize the 80s. You do it, I do it, a lot of us do it. And I think a lot of it is purely just, like, it's my childhood. But I think the reason that the 80s get, the real reason the 80s get fetishized so much, at least in my mind, is that it was an era, like, post-Star Wars, post-Return, or Raiders of the Lost Ark, post-Jaws. Everybody, instead of just, like, like, they sequelized those movies, obviously, but everybody was frantically trying to find the next thing. So it was an era of constant experimentation. And you would get things like Buckaroo Banzai. You would get The Last Starfighter. You get Escape from New York. You know, you get Space Hunter Adventures of the Forbidden Zone, like, to varying degrees of success. But, like, people were just trying anything, like, all kinds of new concepts. And, like, where we are now, it's just old concepts getting rehashed and rebooted. I would rather watch a ripoff than a reboot in most cases. Cause at least with a ripoff, like you might get something new out of it. Like, so, and I feel like this falls into that category. Like it's like a lot of other things I like, it's maybe not as good, but they're doing their own thing. And I had fun watching it. I, did you enjoy it? Oh man, I absolutely love this. Great. Like I, this again, like I said before, this is why I do this podcast because 
I knew you picking a movie. I'm like, okay, if Dave picked it. This is going to be one way or the other. I'm going to enjoy <laughs> it, whether it's terrible or not. Mm. Everything you said is so true. This, I feel like, yeah, on the big screen, it would have been kind of fun and campy, but mm. definitely it's like a VHS watch at home. Yep. Like if you found this at a, like, I remember renting Ice Pirates. Oh, yeah, I've heard you talk about Ice yeah, Pirates. So, and I loved Ice Pirates, and that's one I'll definitely have to revisit because it's been years. But Yeah, that totally slots into what we're talking totally, about. Totally. Like, I would have, had I seen this at a video store, I totally would have rented this yeah. as a kid. And I didn't have First Choice, at like, growing up, but had I seen <laughs> it on First Choice, I would have been all over this. Mm-hmm. And totally, like, this is what I think of, like, when I think 80s movies that you kind of forgot about. Because, mm-hmm. of course... Yeah, I love Star Wars. Everybody knows all those other films you yeah. mentioned. Like, total <laughs> obscure gold here. Mm-hmm. Um, really great pace. Yep. Yeah, all the the vehicle designs, the costume designs, the characters, they are trying new stuff. I mean, now, yeah, I'm echoing everything you said. Like, I was fully on board uh, right from the get-go. Because, mm-hmm. you, know, it, you know, it could go one way. It could have been just totally terrible and just you laugh at how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And by no means is it, like, totally groundbreaking. Yeah. But honestly, like, if you like any type of, like, Mad Max or Star Wars or any type of fantasy, spacey, futuristic uh, adventure, yeah. you know, you got to go to the, the Forbidden Zone, man. Yeah. Like, this is, like... And everyone's committed, too. Like, the... I, like the performances are all really good. Yeah, nobody's acting like the material is beneath them. You know, like they're all kind of on the same page with like the tone that they're trying to go for. Yeah, and you know, I also got like a bit of. It reminded me a bit of Captain Power. Do you remember that? Yeah, show? yeah. I was like a little too old for it, but I, I like I knew of it. Yeah, so. it was like a really, really good long episode of Captain Power. Okay. Like just kind of this, like, where are we exactly? And. And I like that they don't over-explain anything. You just jump in. Like, the chemist, you're just kind of like, who is the chemist? Oh, yeah, I like, guess. Yeah, he's a creepy bad guy. I don't need to know any more than yeah, that. Like, whatever. And I could have seen them trying to do action figures. Uh, like, this... I don't know. It was... It was awesome. Like, I really, really liked this. Oh, uh, I'm like, glad to hear yeah, it. Yeah, man. Like, like for, a, for a film I have not seen, um, definitely one of the best old gems that uh that i've uncovered doing this podcast and cool uh, yeah so dude thank you so oh, much this sean you know there's nobody i would rather have adventures in the forbidden zone oh with, man so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man thanks dave you never you never disappoint there you go you never fail to entertain <laughs> and uh and it's just an absolute joy and a pleasure oh. and listeners can definitely tune in uh to dave dave does a podcast called living between wednesdays not for a while yeah but you all the episodes are still up right i suppose yeah yeah and uh and what are you working on right now uh, I'm working on a comic that I can't really talk about too much yet. It's going to be six issues. I want to have three of them in the can before I announce it, just so I have a nice little backlog. But I will say that if uh, the 90s comic book industry interests you, specifically Image Comics, this might be a thing you'll want to check out. So you can follow me at Paschetti Western on Instagram. That's where you might see some preview artwork and some other nonsense that I draw with some other goofballs that make comic books who may <laughs> yeah. or may not be in this room. I don't know. So now we got to track down Honky Tonk Honky Freeway. Honky Tonk Freeway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure like some boutique label is going to put out a special edition Blu-ray of it at some point. Or maybe yeah. I'll just find a VHS at the Salvation Army. To, well, hey, accept if, either. <laughs> yeah, if any of our listeners have a copy and like can hook us up, let us know because mm-hmm. we, we I got to uncover that, man. But 
Dude, thank you so much. Oh, this thank was you. Awesome. I was glad to ch- uh, I was glad this movie held up. Yeah, well, hey. I'm oh, I want to make one other note about it, too, that yes. is an, an important one, I think. When you revisit a lot of stuff from this era, it can be a little dicey in terms of the content. You know, like some stuff maybe has not aged well, be it like sexually or racially or, you know, whatever. This didn't really have any like big red flags for me that was like, oh, that's, uh, you know, like nothing was especially problematic. Like, I don't know. I like it. Yeah, you're right. It's totally, there's not really, I wouldn't say any overt sexism. Yeah, like other than, you know, like the fact that there's like three women that they have to rescue that are like helpless ladies, but like they don't get naked or anything. Like, no, no real racism. racism, Yeah, no no homophobia. homophobia, Like, no like, like transphobia or anything like that. Like, it's, you know, it kind of like passes the test of uh, the test of time, I guess. Yeah, I'm really amazed this isn't more well known. Like, I did do a quick search for it, and uh, like, it doesn't really have the best reviews online. Yeah. But whatever. Like, but I think people. I don't know. I think we kind of have this mass idea that we're sort of too good for for crap. I guess. And I mean, yeah. it, like, I say crap, and I mean that in a, like a very endearing way. Like, it's it's meant to be kind of pulpy, throwaway, fun nonsense. And I yeah. think people kind of think like they're too good for it and they're like oh it's so cheap looking it's so goofy it's such a knockoff like yeah they know that like i think they're very aware of what they're doing and i think they're still providing you with a good time i don't know absolutely this was yeah like i will totally watch this again Mm -hmm. i totally like i'm so glad to now have this film and i can't believe i've gone my whole life without seeing it because this is that honestly shocks me yeah it's totally right up my alley yeah so i definitely think listeners if you are into any of this stuff uh, yeah, just chill out and watch <laughs> Space Hunter. Yeah, it's, it's not super zone. easy to come by. Like, you can rent it, or you can buy it digitally on Google Play for 15 bucks. You can't yeah. rent it, which is kind of bullshit. I don't know what the iTunes situation... I don't really know what the iTunes situation at all is anymore. But uh, I don't think it's currently in print anywhere. Well, like this would be a great one for, like, VHS hunters. If yeah. you've got a working VCR mm-hmm. and uh, and are digging through the bins looking for old tapes and stuff. Um, it was on Amazon Prime until very recently. Basically, until I went to watch it for this podcast, and then I realized it was gone. But it was yeah. there last year, so. Yeah. Um, but no, definitely, definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, well, signing off, uh, let's go throw some prisoners into the death maze. Uh, we got to watch that Duran Duran video. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Peace. All right. Give me some mega credits. Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. In case you didn't know, it's riveting cinema, yo. Wolf is a hero trying to get him home, and overdogs just trying to get a bone, yo. Straight out of Galileo Minor, flying in the frame in the Stella hang gliders. Why not give it a watch this week, especially if you like uh, blobby freaks? <laughs> Scavengers, bounty hunters, and super vehicles, plucky teens, and mutant people doing evil. The chemist is an odd boss. Watch out, Grandman has blood loss. So rub the shampoo till the dirt is gone and watch out for the Myrmazons. Yes, space has got the best babes, and you'd be hard pressed to find a better death maze. We're going to be back at you real soon. We're doing one episode a week for the next four weeks. Stay cool, stay smart, stay healthy. I'm going to do my best to stay the same. Much love. Shout out Peter Project on the beat. Check out wordburglar.com for updates and follow Dave Paschetti Western. He's putting up some great comics right now. All right.
that was oh, that was a special one. I liked when they went for the hunting. 